These are the names that define our world. The artists who shaped our minds. The rebels who challenged our views. But of all these legends, there is one that stands above all others. I'm sorry, did someone say my name? <laughs> What's the secret, Max? The secret? I think you just gotta find something you love to do and then do it for the rest of your life. For me, it's going to Rushmore. Sharp little guy. He's one of the worst students we've got. We're putting you on what we call sudden death academic probation. Could I see some documentation on that, please? Did you invite that kid to your party? Max Fisher. Come on, Dad, there's gonna be girls there. I'd rather die. Pull your head out of you. Maybe I'm spending too much of my time starting up clubs and putting on plays. Give me little one. I should probably be trying harder to score chicks. I like your hat. You're a teacher here, aren't you? Oh, I'm so glad you could come. I want you to meet a friend of mine, Peter Flynn, Max Fisher. Hi. Who's this guy? Has it ever crossed your mind that you're far too young for me? I like your nurse's uniform, guy. These are OR scrubs. Oh, are they? I don't know what you see in her. I, I don't think she's right for you. What's that supposed to be? Hello, Herman. How are you, Rosemary? I know about you and the teacher. Max, no? She's about five foot three, 112 pounds, glasses. You know, you and Herman deserve each other. You're both little children. War does funny things to men. Well, you'll find a pair of safety glasses and some earplugs underneath your seats. Please feel free to use them. What do you think of Max's latest opus? It's good. But let's hope it's got a happy ending. Rushmore. Thank you very much. Welcome back to Reconcinimation. I am John Diner. I'm David Munchak. And this is your podcast that takes a look back at some of our favorite films from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And I'm very excited right now because it is the holiday season. It's finally here. David's favorite time of year, right? Wait, what season? What are you talking about? There's so many holidays every year. I don't even know what you're talking about. Well, there's just so many holidays in this particular season that it is called the overall holiday season. So, so you're talking Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, New Year's, yep. yes. Boxing Day, all that. Boxing shit. Day? Don't forget! Don't you dare forget Boxing Day! You can't! You can't! <laughs> yeah. But uh, uh, yeah, so it's uh, it's that time of year, and mm-hmm. you know it was it was. A little tricky figuring out what movies we were going to do this year. And we actually, you know, a movie that jumped out to me, maybe because I saw it in December, not necessarily a Christmas movie, is what we're going to cover today with Wes Anderson's second film, Rushmore. Wow, you saw this in December? Like, like I saw, yeah, I saw a special screening of it in December of 98. So it was. 
you were one of those two theaters that aired yeah. that showed it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was. Uh, I. It was a like a uh, studio screening. It wasn't like a. Uh, it wasn't like even limited release yet. Oh. Okay, yeah. Mister Fancy Guy. Mr. Well, they were Mr. like. Mr. Freshman in college, looking at yeah, sophomore, sophomore. Oh, okay, sorry, okay, sorry. (laughs) I was big time, big time sophomore. Uh, But before we get to that, I just want to talk about our our, uh, what we're doing on social media right now. We have the Reconsider Christmas Tournament. (laughs) If uh, you guys haven't taken a look at our our Twitter or Instagram or even our Facebook. Uh, we're running a NCAA-style 64-movie tournament uh, mm-hmm. that uh, is going to crown the ultimate Reconcinimation Christmas movie. So, oh, wow. Uh, yeah. it's, very, it's full speed ahead. Full speed ahead, absolutely. And we're, we're you know, I we, we seeded them just like the NCAA tournament does. So you've got four brackets. You've got uh, number one seeds uh, all the way through number 16. And I'm going to try and do this quickly. But I'm gonna run through uh, our first round, some of which have happened already. But wait, uh, you're gonna run through all 64 movies? I'm I'm gonna do it, and it's people are gonna love it. So okay, you literally have 64 seconds to do this before (laughs) I cut your mic. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't it lovely here around Reconsider Studios at this time of year? All the all the interns have decorated. It's just the the jingle bells are jingling. Oh my god, it's gorgeous. I love it. The sleigh bells are are jingling. <laughs> All the bells. And there's I haven't seen any sleighs, but the the bells are there. <laughs> the bells are there, yeah. Yeah. Uh all right. It's a wonderful life versus the Star Wars holiday special. Jingle All the Way versus A Year Without a Santa Claus. Holiday Inn against the Bishop's Wife. White Christmas against Die Hard 2, Die Harder. Uh, March of the Wooden Soldiers, which is the uh, Laurel and Hardy version, against uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the Jim Carrey version, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer against Remember the Night, Shop Around the Corner against Christmas in Connecticut, 1951 Christmas Carol against Meet Me in St. Louis, that's bracket one. The next bracket is the 1947 Miracle on 34th Street against David's favorite movie, Less Than Zero, Edward Scissorhands against the Garfield Christmas Special, 1987. (laughs) How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the animated version, uh, against Christmas with the Cranks. The Muppet Christmas Carol against The Ref. Frosty the Snowman, the 1969 version, against Home Alone 2. Uh, Charlie Brown Christmas against the 1984 Christmas Carol with George C. Scott. Uh, Santa Claus is Coming to Town against The Godfather. And Die Hard against Monty Python's Life of Brian. Bracket number three. A Christmas Story against Eyes Wide Shut. (laughs) Miracle on 34th Street, the 1994 version (laughs) against David's favorite movie, Prancer. Uh, Gremlins against Lethal Weapon. That's a hot matchup in the first round. Nightmare Before Christmas against the 1998 version of Jack Frost. Black Christmas against Pee Wee's uh, Christmas Special. Scrooged against Rocky IV, Trading Places against the stop-motion animation Jack Frost, Christmas Vacation against Trapped in Paradise, and the final bracket is Home Alone against About a Boy, Love Actually against Polar Express, 
Santa Claus the Movie against Batman Returns, Bad Santa against Mixed Nuts, Mickey's Christmas Carol against The Santa Claus 2, The Flintstones Christmas Special against The Santa Claus 1, Ernest uh, Saves Christmas against Silent Night, Deadly Night, and Elf against The Long Kiss. Good night. <laughs> and th- those are the first round entries into our tournament. So take a look at our social media. Every day we're going to post matchups and uh, you guys can vote and share and retweet and uh, we'll keep keep the fun going and we'll see who's going to take it home this year. Who do you Twitter. got, David? Who do you think's Come. taking it all the way? Oh, I'm not revealing my top pick. Uh, uh, my okay. Number one. No, I'm not going to do it. I don't okay. want to. I don't want to sway the results. But Flintstones Christmas is probably going to go pretty far. <laughs> I was. I was going sure. Prancer. Prancer's pretty hot. That's a hot movie, but I know it's going to get knocked <laughs> out in round three. Don't yeah. don't worry. Uh, so. <laughs> so yeah, vote. Get in there. Tell us what you love. What makes Christmas and movies and media, you know, uh, special to you. We're trying to encapsulate it all. So this is it. This this is the final definitive bracket. Yeah. To end all brackets. Here um, we go. I also took Gonzaga to go to the final four here. Smart. So. Good. That's all. That's always uh you know it's gonna an be, underdog. It's gonna be Flintstones Christmas Gonzaga. Uh, the Tar Heels and uh, Elf. There you go. <laughs> I think Safe that's what's bets. in the bracket. Yeah, I went. I went Duke all the way. So, <laughs> <Okay>. uh, <laughs> I will say that my pick, my pick is in bracket number three. So, oh. there you go. Yeah. Okay, that's the that's the top right bracket. Is that right? That is the top right bracket. For I have to look at my bracket. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll have to repost that as well. So. Oh, I bet I know what fucking wins your goddamn bracket. <laughs> Filthy language. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Sorry, excuse me. Pardon me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's uh, it's a lot of fun. So everybody uh, check that out. And uh, yeah. But that's not why we're here today. We're here no, to celebrate. No, a whole show to do here. We have a whole show to do. Uh, oh, we're here to celebrate the uh, glory of... Uh, the 1998 film, I guess it's technically 98, right? Or 99, Rushmore. Yeah, Rushmore. Wes Anderson. Yeah. Where, are you, where are you in general, in a general sense, on, on Wes Anderson? Thumbs up, baby. Wes Anderson does it. Does it for me. Yeah. Like, he's, like uh, him, he's an auteur. He is reverent to, um, well, filmmaking, but just sort of art in general. He's an artiste. Uh, I think he he loves he loves art in all expressions, and I feel like it's it, it comes across in all of his different projects. Uh, so if you add him all up, it's like this guy isn't just a lover of one thing or a couple things. He's like lover of all things that are creative expression um, for for a human being. And uh, yeah. Yeah, that, I think I and I think that's what I I think that's what gets me from for what he does. Yeah, his uh, there I I find that there are not that many directors that you can like put on their movie and know exactly who whose movie that is. There's yeah, very yeah. very few um, that yeah. have that really distinct voice and visual style, uh, and he's he's one of them for sure. His yeah. his movies are like all in their own little world, 
and you know it's not like they're they're not connected really it's not like they're it's a uh the wes anderson cinematic universe i don't think that really exists but it's uh you know they do all look like they would be of the same of the same world yeah of course yeah 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 and they're you know they're really they're very heartfelt and they're very um i don't think all of them have been you know, as good as they could have been. I'm not really a Darjeeling fan, and it took mm. me a while to come around on Life Aquatic. But, uh, yeah. I mean, I love... Royal Tenenbaums is probably my number one. Mm-hmm. I love Fantastic Mr. Fox, Moonrise Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Uh, God, the last couple have been great, too. Why did I just mm-hmm. forget the one from 2014? Grand Budapest? Grand Budapest, yeah, 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 yeah. Love that Wonderful. movie. Did you see Isle of Dogs? I haven't seen that yet. Which came I out last did. Year. I, I did. I enjoyed it. I don't think it was quite as good as as Fox, but uh, it was it was up there. Oh, great! Cool, cool, cool. Uh, yeah, yeah, my no, my I'm top. A... Yeah, go ahead. No, I was gonna say I'm a, I'm a fan, um, and and it, I have the same thing. It's a, it's actually funny that Life Aquatic. Yeah, I just I don't know if I can really get into. It's very. I don't know what it is. Maybe just sort of the blending of styles. Uh, just in terms of you know having this like stop motion stuff in between, I, it was it was odd to me. It was, but I have to give it another shot. But Tenenbaums, obviously, um, a big fan of that. Moonrise, Grand Budapest uh, are definitely tops for me. Um, and you know, it, it Rushmore was my first Wes Anderson film for, I, which is probably uh, the same for a lot of people. Yeah, I think that was for most people. It's. Uh... I think with as far as Life Aquatic goes, I think he was getting a little experimental after Tenenbaums. Um, yeah, Tenenbaums feels to, just to me personally feels like his masterpiece, like where everything is working, like all the Wes Anderson things are are working at full capacity in that movie, and then it's yeah. like he kind of stepped out of the box a little bit with Life Aquatic and and Darjeeling, and then kind of started to reel it back. A little more centered for Mr. Fox and everything since then, but uh, yeah. yeah, but uh, Rushmore is is I think for most people the first time they were really exposed to Wes Anderson. It was yeah, it I'm... was Go ahead. it was certainly like the most uh, well at the time it was the most you know widely released movie that he'd done so. Well, yeah, I mean, it's his second film, though, and I mean, it still didn't really go above a thousand screens, I think. Um, so this was for, you know, cinema fans more so than people who are paying attention to cinema, things that have buzz, things that have that, um, you know, that uh, a skewed look uh, at, you know, what people are doing in film. Um, but w- with a tinge of mainstream because we have Bill Murray in it, you know, it's, yeah. there is something about this that was going to bring different kinds of people toward it. You know, whether you're a Bill Murray fan, whether you're uh, a fan of just, you know, independent cinema, which it really is a kind of a, an independent film, right? I mean, it's kind of made. On oh yeah. Cheap. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, it, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's technically, you know, just produced and distributed by touchstone which yeah. would be Disney. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, uh, I mean, it's certainly an independent film. I mean, it's, it's has that, it, it, it's of that world. I mean, it was very low budget and uh, was made in, in the style of an independent film. And, and you really had to, 
in 98 and early 99, you had to be on the lookout for some of these movies. I mean, the indie movement was so huge at the time, but you still had to be in the world of it to really know what was coming. You could still like just stay above, you know, above, uh, or I guess just be paying attention to the mainstream movies and the big studio releases and really not know at all what's coming in the indie side of it. Right. So, uh, yeah, the, I saw this at a special screening in December 98 uh, with a cup. Yeah. With a couple of friends at uh, cinema cafe, which was a theater that was right next to my, the old college of Santa Fe RIP uh, campus that we could walk to. We could just hop the fence and walk right over there. You hop the fence? Why didn't you go yeah, around? Just, Why didn't you? Well, go just, that game? was just for that was just for fun. Oh, okay. You do, you love yeah. fence climbing. Yeah, that's your thing. I get it. <laughs> I'm, a, you know. I'm a fence climber. <laughs> There's like I uh, some people climb a rock wall. You have built a 50 foot fence uh, on the Recon Cinema Studio lot that you yeah. every day you climb it because you just love climbing fences. I scale it, and I would you say I spelunk down it? <laughs> I I think yeah, that's that's the technical term for yeah for for lowering yourself down. You spelunk. Yeah. I I scale and then I spelunk. <laughs> so it takes me Work. a little bit longer to get to the office every day. Yeah, uh, but you know, good thing you're this, there in the golden tower. So yeah, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, at all, we're times. gonna get. We're going to get a lot of correcting emails. Everyone's like, you didn't use the word spelunking. <laughs> That's correctly. not what spelunk means, loser. <laughs> yeah. There's a cave involved, you dumbasses. Yeah. <laughs> well, I did I did have the cave installed, so maybe it counts. That's true. There is yeah. a th- there's a three-story cave built <laughs> into the side of the... But anyway... Um, but anyway, we you, you went to the theater. You got there. It was you and a bunch of the loonies, or was it a couple of friends? Just yeah, no, it was what about was going three, it was uh, three or four of the loonies. Yeah, they were they were we were you know we we went everywhere together. So some version of the loonies was literally everywhere everywhere in Santa Fe. So oh my uh, gosh, wow! But I I loved this movie. The like mm-hmm. I was in love with every element of it. The mm-hmm. first time I saw it, uh, I just. The soundtrack was amazing. Uh, that mm-hmm. kind of British, you know, British punk inspired, not punk, but British, you know, rock inspired uh, soundtrack with the kinks and uh, just just so many great songs on there uh, that, you know, really left an impression on me. Uh, mm-hmm. And I had just come off this really not so great uh, relationship and breakup. And I was you know, having a lot of issues with that. And this was kind of like a good time, I guess, for this movie to come along and uh, oh, I could great. identify with it. Yeah. Yeah. You were in love with an older woman. She was 55. <laughs> you were 19. <laughs> and it wasn't going to work out. And you identified yeah. with Max Fisher. Very. <laughs> I d- I, that I did. That I did. <laughs> and it was, you know, we'll, we'll talk a, a little bit uh, later in the show about Bill Murray, but. I was oh I've always been a big Bill Murray fan and and oh ha- oh him. really you you me shocking right <laughs> did you hear uh, me on our Groundhog Day episode <laughs> I couldn't which there was you, a lot of <laughs> a lot of moaning on that episode I yeah no. which you uh, can, yeah no uh, 
which you can listen back in the archives, www.reconsidimation.com. Yeah, but I keep interrupting you to make fun of you, and that's not fair. But yes, Bill Murray's <laughs> in this film, and you uh, this was this was a new way to look at him, I think, for most fans. I mean, I, obviously he's done he's done film, he's done drama in a sense, uh, and this is a comedic drama for him in a supporting role, not even a lead, really. Yeah, uh, what a different way to see uh, Bill Murray. Uh, on film. Yeah, this was this was a bold move for him at the time, and and uh, we'll but like I said, we'll get we'll get back to Bill Murray, Let's, but uh, we'll get back. That to was part him. of we'll what I, yeah, well, that was part of what just uh, really drew me into the film, and, and I I loved it. What about you? When was the? Do you remember the first time you saw it? I don't I don't remember the exact weekend. Um, although I feel like a a long President's Day weekend in February where it went like and it's sort of a an official release, but in still limited theaters. But yeah, um, I, I went with, I know I saw this with my friend, Joe, uh, shout out, uh, Joe. To Joe, who Joe was, Joe was the one who, who understood movies. Like he got the idea. He understood the language of cinema. And, um, I don't, I did not know these things. And, uh, he brought me because earlier in the year, he brought me to big Lebowski. And like that was a different. That was for me. It, like Big Lebowski was probably like the first time I saw something in the theater that was different than all the like the sort of like mainstream studio schlock that was. You out were there. you were you were all about Armageddon, right? I never saw. I didn't see Armageddon in the theater, <laughs> but when I did see it, I was like, "Yeah, this is amazing!" <laughs> I was crying when Bruce Willis died. Um, but no, I and then Spoiler. like so like. All right, <laughs> and then like Bowski <laughs> was like the first thing I think he took me to. He's like, "Oh, we got to go see this movie." I'm like, "I don't even know what this is." And like, and then Rushmore happened, uh, uh, the, you know, basically a year later. And then I think it was it was the same sort of thing. I was like, I never heard of it, but Bill Murray was in it, and he's like, "Yeah, we got to go see this thing." And um, boy, and it was different. I mean, this movie is like 92 minutes, and I remember at the time in the theater. It took, it felt like a drag. Like this took a long time, but I wasn't appreciating it uh, the way you would appreciate like a story being told, and it yeah. felt like a very long movie. And it really like this. And then I I had probably seen it two more times where I was like, "Geez, this movie just drags." But it's not a drag. It just it takes its time with the emotions of the scenes, the characters themselves, the and just the the small progress everyone makes. Um, and so then, and then watching it sort of as an, like an older adult, um, in later years in subsequent viewings, um, I think I probably have, I've seen it now, I don't know, four times more as a sort of an older person than when I was when a teen. And I, I appreciated it more and more every time. And like this movie kind of zips along, uh, for me now then where yeah. I remember it being sort of a drag, not boring, but just long. And, um, th- my perception of it has changed because of, I guess, maybe where I am in life. Uh, yeah. I well, that's and that's, we that's natural. That's natural. I mean, it does. Wes Anderson does have a, a somewhat deliberate pace at times where I felt that mm-hmm. I felt similar when I, when we, wa- when I watched it back this time, I remember I actually remembered it moving faster than mm. it was than it felt this time. Oh, interesting. 
Yeah. So well, I was I, feel like, I was like, oh man, this is still this is still going. We haven't even gotten to this part yet. Yeah, I, well, it's funny because it, there are I think there are scenes that will always stand out. You'll always remember. You always sort of connect to, and then there's not that there's filler scenes, but there's you know the the ones that the connective tissue of the film is there, and you forgot. You're like, oh yeah, I forgot about this one. I forgot about this scene. I forgot about this part. Yeah, and they you know, and they're not. Uh, it's not. It, it's very useful. It's all there, but there's things that stand out and there's things you sort of put aside. Um, and, uh, I can, I can see, I can see the inverse of what I'm saying for me, uh, on you. Yeah, that makes sense. So Wes Anderson grew up the son of a realtor slash archeologist. And yeah. a, uh, that, that was his mother and his father Mom. was a P yeah. And his, Dad was a PR and advertising guy. So that combination right there kind of says a lot about uh, some of the professions that appear in his in his films. Yeah. Like, a realtor slash archaeologist. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is a, a job I would love to have. Yeah. I mean, you you. You have you have open houses on the weekends, and then uh, during the week, you know you're you're in the Middle East dig, uh, on a dig. <laughs> you're Indiana Jones. Yeah, basically. Yeah, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so he was uh, always into filmmaking. He you know made a lot of you know silent and super eight films as a kid. Uh, he ended up going to the University of Texas, where he met. Owen Wilson, who is just a, a galactic megastar now. Uh, and they were both uh, projectionists at a movie theater, and they kind of buddied up and became friends and eventually made a short film, uh, which was the original version of Bottle Rocket in 1992. Mm. Uh, while they made that, they were making that film, they actually had been writing Rushmore together. So Rushmore, in a way, existed almost before Bottle Rocket did, mm. or at least the full version of Bottle Rocket. Um, mm. They, uh, you know, they based characters on, obviously Max Fisher is highly based on Wes Anderson himself, and uh, Rushmore is based on uh, the St. Mark's School in Austin, Texas, which is where Owen Wilson went, and the St. John's School in Austin, where Wes Anderson went to high school. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which that's where they physically shot it, right? At St. John's. Yeah, they actually yeah. shot at uh, St. John's, I believe. Yeah, I think like the the actual halls of his own high school. Isn't that crazy? Right, that's insane. Uh, they, and they went really went for like a heightened kind of reality, which I think you you know you'll see in most of Wes Anderson's film. It's his his the tone he was going after. He said was like a rolled doll book. Which I feel like I don't know if I would say Rushmore is there. Some of his other things I think are definitely in that realm. This is this steps. That's this is like at the doorway. This is at the threshold of that. Like it definitely right. has that. In, ter- in just in terms of the the how, how some of those characters are, the, just the color palette and the presentation. It is like it's just teetering into a new world. Where I think Tenenbaums looks so different, just a couple of years later. Yeah, um, you, you, this is your this is your entry point. Like Brushmore brings you 
right to the door, and then after that, you're you're in Wes Anderson's world. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, and and the, as far as a general plot, you know that their kind of concept was a fifteen year old and a fifty year old become friends and then become rivals, uh, yeah. was the genesis of the idea. So, mm-hmm. which which you know, luckily they're able to kind of keep that all the way through the making of the movie, but. Yeah. Uh, while they were writing this, uh, Bottle Rocket uh, was entered into the 1994 Sundance Film Festival, where it got uh, got some attention, and enough attention to get a uh, some money behind it and to make a feature version of it, which which yeah. is where I really first remember kind of tuning into like who Wes Anderson is. Uh, I remember seeing the 1996 MTV Movie Awards and James Caan came out and I was a big James Caan fan. Let's just throw out some names. The Godfather, Thief, Alien Nation, Misery. Come on. I mean, I haven't haven't heard of any of these. What (laughs) can I borrow some of these? I need to. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop by your house because that's you keep it in a very safe vault. Uh, three, I think it's, is it three levels underneath your house? Yeah. Where all your movies are? I, well, I won't say. Um, it's more than three. Oh, God damn. I mean, it, no one can enter it without the special code, your DNA, I, and your, your, anyway, listen, I need to borrow all these James Conn movies. I don't know who this guy is. All right. Confest. We'll have Confest. Confest. Let's have it. Go ahead. Yeah. And this is even before, like, I had tuned into Rollerball and uh, The Gambler and some of the other, you know, other movies he'd done. Sure. But, uh, so he came out and basically, you know, introduced, uh, you know, a short clip about Bottle Rocket and really just really pushed Wes Anderson and how talented he is on the on the audience. And, and I was like, wow, if James Caan, like, did this really low-budget movie, this guy must be really really good and and then they just did a quick you know like a 60 second like look at the movie and i think he even was introduced as like you know rising star basically and uh and i was Damn. fascinated with him but at the time i don't think bottle rocket was that easy to find because it was i mean that was like a really low budget indie movie and i i think it i don't think it was until rushmore came out that people really discovered bottle rocket I guess so. Yeah, I think you're you're right. It was it it had more. I remember, but I do remember going through like a blockbuster video with my friend Joe uh, in the '90s, late '90s, and there'd be it'd be I'd see uh, Richard Linklater Slacker, and I think I'd see Bottle Rocket basically on the yep. same shelf. Like, yeah, and I was yeah. always like, I'd look at them and I'd be like, "What are these things?" And I never yeah. rented them, and like. <laughs> and I wish I I look back and I'm like, geez, I wish I rented either of them at that time. Like, this might have been that might have been cha- you know uh, world changing for me. Just to yeah, well, I, I don't think that was that uncommon. I mean, you know, where until Rushmore came out and with its popularity, like, what would the reason have like who how would you have known to go see Bottle Rocket? Right, of course, yeah. Because but, I'm, uh, I'm only a victim of like mainstream commercialism. That's all. Yeah. That's all I. That's all I love. Uh, but no. But I mean, that's kind of the flaw of like, uh, if you really like, if you like movies, you and but you like stories, 
Um, and then we're sort of, uh, we can sort of succumb to uh, the, the most pol- um, palatable, um, which is that mainstream stuff. And then you look at something where you don't recognize the person involved. You don't recognize the director, the writer. You don't know who's on the cover. The, it looks cheap or whatever. And you're like, yeah, this isn't for me. And I think that's the flaw of something that where I grew up, like that was something maybe my friend Joe, who is always sort of like, no, you need to be paying attention to these things. <laughs> like, what? You, yeah. If you yeah. like, if you like stories, like these are stories that are at least worth a look. Doesn't matter if it you become a super fan or 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 un, even understand it. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's 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 where that change came from for, for yeah. me. Uh, and I mean, well, I mean, and in terms of like Rushmore is probably pretty mainstream and i mean wes anderson's kind of mainstream in that way that he's he's recognized throughout the industry and i think people understand they have at least heard of all of it one or two or some of his movies um but not under really understanding what he's doing as an artist he's kind of he kind of rides both uh both planes i think yeah he does anyway well, Joe, Joe certainly knew. Joe knows. You know, we should start a like a like Bo knows. We should start Bo like knows. a Joe knows. Joe knows campaign. Can we can we bring Joe in every week and we just it's just a like a four minute four minute segment where Joe knows something. Yeah, and he I'm tells us all, all for the things that. he knows. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna work on this. Uh, uh, and we're things... get get Joe on the phone, please. Just <sighs> have him wait, wait until we finish recording. Wait, is Thank our you. intern is our intern Edward still here? I thought I I thought I fired He's... him. Stage whisper. I, <laughs> I thought can't I keep fired up him. How many you've, I can't keep up with how many you let go of. You know, <laughs> I'm so pissed. <sighs> like I need to get as rid as, of as many as I can before the holidays. Yeah, before yeah, let him go before that. <laughs> Just Best get time out. to let him let him loose. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, it. what are we talking about? <laughs> so yeah, so Bottle Rocket. You know, got, had a lot of street cred, let's say. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of agents and producers uh, had had seen studio people had seen the film and knew this guy. Uh, w- there was something special about this director and th- this writer and, and, and this team of Owen Wilson and him. It's funny because Owen Wilson later said that he, uh, the reasons he appears in The Cable Guy and Anaconda was so that he could take that money and funnel it towards Rushmore. Oh, wow, really? Yeah. I had yeah. no idea. <laughs> yeah, those are, uh, I don't know, they're very non-Owen Wilson-like roles, you know, before yeah. he really kind of fell into what his groove is. So, huh. uh, yeah, but they, you know, they pitched this movie to, to Disney, to Touchstone, and Touchstone agrees to give him about a nine or $10 million budget mm-hmm. and off they went in the casting process, which is going to be the, the trickiest part of this movie. So they start the search for Max Fisher, very particular kind of role here. And he had written it with like a Mick Jagger type person in mind, like a young Mick Jagger, tall, thin, lanky, uh, you know, ki- kind of like himself, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and they ended up seeing, I think, almost 2,000, about 1,800 different 
teenagers to see who could kind of fit this role and it just was not was not happening hey, in the yeah, meantime yeah. yeah in the meantime while while the search is going on they uh uh bill murray's agent had seen bottle rocket and really liked it and and uh was in touch with uh with uh wes and and owen and got the script for Rushmore and gave it over to Bill. And Bill was uh, surprisingly immediately into it. Mm. He said he identified with the struggle to retain civility and kindness in the face of extraordinary pain. He said that was a uh, something very known very well to him. And mm. he just really identified with that and uh, agreed to make the movie for scale of all things. So I, I think yeah. he made about, which is he made like nine or ten thousand dollars on the movie, and that's it. Yeah, how about that? He, he well, I mean, and, and that's the thing about Bill is that he he really is an artist first, and you know he uh, being someone who had a mainstream comedic sort of uh, superstardom for a while, that sort of probably ran counter to you know what he really wanted as an artist, but that that's peppered throughout his entire career. And then this Rushmore, I mean, we can point to Rushmore as his rena- like the beginning of his Renaissance. Like, absolutely. You know, like before this, you wouldn't necessarily have, you know, this was it. This was the one that's that, that kicked it off. Right? Oh yeah. hundred percent. The bill we know. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, this, I mean, his career had, you know, peaked and was, absolutely in its deepest valley at this point um he you know coming off of saturday night live and caddyshack and ghostbusters was the number one movie and and huge huge movie and uh he struggled with the success of that and how to deal with the publicity and all the you know pr stuff that you have to do when doing a major movie like that and it, it got to him. He just, he's not, that's not his style. That's not what he really wants to, to do with himself. And, and he struggled after that. And the whole like late 80s through the mid 90s were just, he wasn't very happy. He did have some good other roles. Uh, you know, What About Bob is fun. We covered Groundhog Day, and that was, uh, mm-hmm. Groundhog Day is a fantastic film, but. You know, Ghostbusters 2 was he was forced to do and was not a hit. Quick Change, not a hit. Uh, was good, the uh, Larger Than Life, not mm-hmm. very highly respected. He does have a great role in Kingpin, but that's not really mm-hmm. considered his movie. No. And then The Man Who Knew Too Little uh, does terribly. And he's sort of at like a rock bottom. Cre- oh, don't forget Space Jam, too. Uh, oh well, Space Jam was a goddamn hit. Everyone loved that. <laughs> not not just the film he, himself, but Bill and Space Jam. Like that was everybody loves Bill Murray and Space Jam. He Bill is brilliant in Space Jam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen that movie <laughs> once, and that was twenty two years ago, and uh, yeah. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. I think I thought Bill was amazing. Yeah, but uh, but he wasn't. You know, he wasn't enjoying those roles, and he wasn't. Uh, I don't think he was getting the you know, making the money he wanted to make and wasn't um, getting the satisfaction out of those parts and, and still having to deal with the, uh, you know, being considered an A-list a star was just not not where he wanted to be. So 
this movie was the big turning point because ever since Rushmore, he's been really championing independent film and lower budget movies. And, uh, you know, he's been a great partner for Wes Anderson ever since. Of course, yeah. He's I've, been in, what, I've, nine of his projects? Ten? I, I think. He's, I think he's the only person who's been in every single one of his films except Battle Rocket. I think that's right. Yeah, since yeah, since Rushmore. Yeah, you're right. Everyone else, even Owen Wilson, like there was a couple of movies that he didn't produce, he and he wasn't, about. or and he didn't act in either. So, yeah, Owen Wilson had nothing to do with Moonrise or Isle of Dogs, I guess. Right, uh, but was is is involved in everything else, even in the modern era. Uh, yeah, but yeah, Bill is the the only one, and then J- Schwartzman, who will we should talk about soon. Uh, yeah. It is after Rushmore, he's pretty heavily involved. Uh, in his oh, career. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Rushmore, or sorry, uh, Schwartzman me- ends up meeting, uh, I believe, one of the casting directors at a party just by coincidence and yeah. uh, you know, get works his way into an audition and he showed up and blew Wes Anderson away. You know, he, he showed up like in full Max Fisher costume and he had he had made his own uh rushmore like patch i think <laughs> like yeah, school yeah. patch <laughs> he sewed something onto his own uh, as blazer and just to fit the part yeah but and he I think... you know had a very different look than what wes anderson was going for he had a much more i i think wes anderson kind of uh, was attracted to his more of a dustin hoffman graduate kind of look and vibe mm-hmm. would you say that would you agree okay uh i'll roll with that yeah that's fine yeah <laughs> i'm not disagreeing yeah he's uh just a little bit more of uh that kind of a role than than the lanky mick jagger type that was uh previously envisioned a little more quirky with confidence than than maybe what he was envisioning is that right? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, but it is funny because even it it was like at that party, it was like his own story, Schwartzman's own story, kind of mirrored Max Fisher in a sense of where he had a crush on. I think he had a crush on a, a tutor or a teacher or something um, who was older, um, and then just was also just not like. Uh, not a good student in a sense and it was yeah and he's a like there he he's he's a creative person searching for that outlet like he you know schwartzman wasn't an actor to begin with like right. this i mean he he had the in because of his family he's uh, uh he's in those hollywood sort of parties <laughs> situations and finds yeah. himself um but i mean he earned the part like straight up like there's no way and when you vibe with someone, when you gel with them in terms of what, what gets you going creatively. Um, and, and, uh, I think that it's just kismet for Wes Anderson and Jason Schwartzman. Like it was just, it was meant to be like who they yeah. are as creative individuals and all of that. Um, cause Schwartzman has, Schwartzman does, he does scores. Like he does movie scores now. I mean, he's been a musician as well. Oh, yeah. Life, he's got, he's a, he's got a band but, and, yeah, yeah. I mean, he does he does it all. Like it's not, it's his art his, and just like the way uh, Wes Anderson sort of appreciates 
art in all of its forms. I think Schwartzman is sort of someone who um, performs in different in different ways. Uh, that is, it's not he's not just one thing. Um, so I mean, it's they're 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 cut from the same cloth, I guess. Schwartzman and yeah, and definitely. Person. And it was a it was a little match made in heaven. And and you're right, they have yeah. worked together many times since then. Not yeah. he's not Schwartzman isn't necessarily automatically in every Wes Anderson movie, but I believe he's in most of them. Yeah, I think so. He the I think since Rushmore, he wasn't in Ten and Balance and he wasn't in Life Aquatic. But he shows up in one way or another, uh, and everything else. Yeah, I think forward. he was. Yep. Yeah. So whether he's the lead or had a part or a, an appearance, yeah, he's he's there. And he really he just does such a great job as Max Fisher with his, like you said, the confidence, especially in the beginning of the movie when you first meet him, and he is at this, uh, you know, height of his, of his. Uh, time at Rushmore before kind of everything falls apart underneath him. But mm-hmm. he's, uh, <laughs> he's in charge of God, how many extracurricular activities? Oh, the number of them. I think, it, um, <laughs> I think it's like 22 or something. It's crazy. <laughs> it's that whole sequence is, uh, amazing. Well, and it sets you up to understand him a lot. And, uh, it's such a, it's such a succinct way where even from a production standpoint where they have to shoot something for every club that he's in and that he does um let's see yeah i mean we should just run down it you know he's the publisher yeah, yeah. of the the uh, rushmore yankee which is like the yearbook i guess uh, uh president of the french club uh, model he, he's part of model un and he he was russia uh stamp and queen club uh debate team captain the cross team manager. So he's not even playing on the cross team, but he's the manager <laughs> and dealing with the equipment and all that. And then he's, of course, uh, he's part part of the calligraphy club, where he's like doing giant calligraphy posters about the kung fu club, uh, which uh, after, and then astronomy society, the founder, fencing team captain, uh, track and field uh, part of the JV decathlon. Uh, he's in the he's in second corral, uh, the choir master. Uh, Bombardment Society, which looks... I never heard of Bombardment Society, which I'm assuming is a dodgeball kind of type game, which <laughs> it's, sounds awesome. It's, but it's a also, very fancy way of uh, saying dodgeball. Yeah, I mean, I would. I wish I was on Bombardment Society. Kung Fu Club, <laughs> though, he turns up. And he's part of Kung Fu. He's got a yellow belt. The Trap and Skeet Club, he's shooting guns. Uh, he's part president of the Rushmore Beekeepers. <laughs> like... Uh, <laughs> which Yankee plays Racers. in later yeah, of course uh, and the Mash Fi- Max Fisher players uh, he's the director and then plus also the Piper Cub Club where he I think he had he locked four and a half hours in the, the Piper Club uh, so that's <laughs> all those things he did at Rushmore and then later in the film yeah, he formed the Kite Flying Society while he was there yeah. so this guy has done it all and this and I think all of this, it sets you up so perfectly where Max Fisher is a guy who defines himself by what he's involved in, how he defines himself as a president, a, a leader, all of that. Sort of trying to earn a respect that comes from a title, comes from like his role in a thing as a, uh, you know, a founder, all of that. 
and that's what sets up the tragedy of, of his life for like three quarters of the movie uh, where how he sees himself I guess pretty much delusion as a delusion like right I mean yeah you know and this is well, something any teen goes through it's not like this is something that is uh, so so odd but uh, he's an ambitious guy with a creative vision and doesn't know how to channel it and um, uh, I think it's uh there's something to uh, understanding him through that through that lens. Yeah, and he's he's sort of got the big man on campus uh, thing going on, but at the same time, he is their worst uh, academic student and is yeah. failing out of all of his classes. Yeah, he's and kind is of a facing joke. expulsion. Yeah, yeah. I think it's like he is. Yeah, he's kind of a joke to everyone. You wouldn't see how other characters see him, but. Uh, when Brian Cox, who's the headmaster, says he's, oh, our, yeah. worst, he's our worst student, like uh, even though he's so involved and whatever, um, you get you understand like it's not it's not necessarily an obsession, it's just his life, uh, and that's what makes his fall from Rushmore. Like it, the movie's called Rushmore, and he's kicked out of Rushmore, I think, in thirty minutes. Like he's gone. Yeah, like, that's absolutely. it. Like, yeah, um, but he still wears the blazer until. You know, we only we see the the movie in chunks from September, October, November, December, and a lot happens in those September, October months. Yeah, where uh, his life sort of falls apart, and it's I think that what I'm, I'm a big fan of with this movie is that you don't have to you don't have to live through sort of the things that led up to that. You don't need his origin story. They tell you about his origin story. He's been there since second grade, like this ca- academy that you know kind of trains the elite uh to get to uh and he's part of that but at one point his ego sort of uh outweighed everything else he did and there is a sense of tragedy in his life his personal life and and his sense of self uh that we get to see we get to meet him at a very particular time that i think a lot of people will uh identify with yeah, I uh, I totally agree. He's uh, he's just such an amazing and interesting character, and and mm-hmm. it's always fun to see you know teenage. I mean, yeah, he's a teenager. Teenage characters with that much depth. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think I don't think you get to see that very often. I don't think you know John Hughes was able to do it, and I, I think there's a. <laughs> You think like Ferris Bueller and Max Fisher could be like very distant cousins or something? Well, uh, well, let me pause you right there. Do you think I, the way he's portrayed? Do you think Ferris Bueller has a lot of depth as a character? Well, no, I would say not as much as Max Fisher does. The way he's portrayed, I would say he isn't. But I think the way Max is Max is portrayed, and I think where. Uh, I don't know. I think people discount. I think people can discount um, uh, how how deep any teen is. You know, the their feelings, yeah. their emotions, their perspectives can easily be be discounted because of their lack of experience, lack of you know, sort of of the world and all of that. And I wouldn't say like Max is not worldly. He's not. He's very ignorant, and it takes it takes a lot for him to understand like for his arc to, to reach a certain point where 
we root for him the whole time, even though he's kind of awful for a lot of it. Yeah. And then, and then when he f- he figures it out without that epiphany montage that you might see in a mainstream, you know, movie, and he just sort of he he writes the ship a little bit, and it's still going to be r- rough waters for him, um, as it is for anyone who's at fifteen, sixteen years old. Uh, yeah. You can you can root along with him because at least he's he's decided where he wants to to move toward. Uh, it, it's fascinating, um, and it does it without being preachy, or sort of like, "Hey guys, remember how this life used to be when you were a teen?" All that like, it's 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 relatable, or at least uh, well, it's, it, I think it's relatable on on for everybody who's ever been that age. Um, where you at least you, you figure out maybe maybe I'm gonna go this way I'm gonna move in this yeah. direction. Um, it's not it, like it's weird because it is sort of a coming in age coming of age story, but the way we des- define a Hollywood coming of age movie looks nothing like this. Yeah, yeah. Well, and he's got such a you know that air of maturity and experience and you quickly realize based on how he's reacting to these things that he's just a kid like he's still a kid who is learning and is going to learn the hard way how to process these feelings and and that's it you know it's um yeah he doesn't have all the experience that he you know puts it out there like he does yeah and and he and as a teen he's sort of still a slave to his emotions where you know he, you know he puts on a, he writes a hit play and then he can't believe the teacher he has a crush on invited a date to the dinner and to the play, he just can't believe it and he embarrasses himself. Yes, he's under the influence of alcohol, um, which Bill Murray or a uh, Bloom his character uh, shouldn't have done. But uh, you know you get to see his his emotions sort of being presented as as a raw kind of response. Um, where if he wasn't under the influence of alcohol, he'd be thinking those things and you would understand it. Like, I can't believe it. I did this for you kind of thing. And what, who is this guy you're bringing around? We yeah. all have sort of that crush or that, that, that person who is older that you're not, you don't even know what the, you, you can't envision a future with them, but you want them to be your world or you want them to be, you know, someone who, who gives you more, more attention than you, than everyone else uh yeah, yeah i don't know it, it's fascinating because it, it that the crack show like yeah he comes off as he comes off as sort of an if he's highly intelligent very creative but he doesn't fit the mold of sort of the mainstream uh expectations to get good grades and all of that uh, uh sort of conform to um what his school teaches him yeah and uh, we've got a good, uh, good list of uh, supporting cast as well. I'm just going to run through some of the names real quick. We've got Seymour Cassell, who plays, uh, who plays Max Fisher's dad, who is a barber. And Max, <laughs> at least for the first three quarters of the movie, tells everyone that his dad is a brain surgeon. And, and he's never <laughs> yeah. going to introduce his dad, what, who his dad really is to people. He's embarrassed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Olivia Williams as Miss Cross. This is the first oh. time I remember seeing her, but I think she did 
Did she do the postman? She did something before this, though. Right before this, she was... Let me double check. She was in... I know she did the Sixth Sense right afterwards, but I want to say it's the postman. Postman is correct. That's right. That was right right before this. Uh, Brian Cox, we mentioned, who's an amazing actor. So many good performances and a nice small role here as the uh, the head of Rushmore. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. Mason Gamble. That's right. Dennis the Menace himself is Dennis in this Menace. film. As uh, Dirk, uh, what was his last name? Uh, Dirk, uh, uh, Dirk, Dirk Calloway. Uh, Dirk Calloway. Calloway. What? A, and by the way, what just a great character name! Like, yeah. regardless, separated from the character itself, Dirk Calloway. Like, ah, yeah. what a great name! I just love that name. <laughs> it's a movie star name. Yeah. Uh, Sarah Tanaka as Margaret Yang, and uh, the Wilson. Two of the Wilson brothers show up here while Owen is producing, but we see Luke Wilson and Andrew Wilson as the uh, gym teacher. This is true. Yeah. And they'll uh, some version of the Wilson brothers always pops up in uh, Wes Anderson films. That's true. Uh, yeah, and they were both in Bottle Rocket as well. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so a great cast, and you can see the beginnings of uh, his Wes Anderson stable of actors here. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so many of them, but. Um, they, uh, they shot the movie we mentioned in Houston, in and around Houston, and originally he had wanted to shoot uh, the Rushmore scenes in England and shoot the Grover Cleveland High School scenes in Detroit. So his, you know, really just to maximize that contrast between the two the two worlds. Mm-hmm. And I think it would have been would have been interesting. I think he was still able to get it across without having to do that, and uh, the budget of the film wouldn't really let him. So it all worked out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. Go yeah, ahead. Go ahead. No, I think. I mean, uh, the it does feel kind of otherworldly because I honestly I didn't until I was looking it up. I didn't realize they shot this like the high school in Cleveland, <laughs> like Rushmore's. Or, I'm sorry. Rushmore is in in Texas, uh, right? And uh, you know what's funny is Rushmore and Grover Cleveland High School. The actual locations are like right across the street from each other. <laughs> yeah, so that's <laughs> just so perfect because, uh, yeah, yeah, Rushmore just seems like this, uh, you know, wonderful palatial campus. Uh, did I say that right? Uh, this yep. campus that of. Uh, 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 like a, of that private school kind of thing um, that you could you could almost believe it to be non-American you know do English kind of thing um, yeah and then he and then he just goes to sort of the he, he ends up at Grover Cleveland where it's just like the most pedestrian kind of like public school you can find and I love how he immediately you know gets back into the activities and his the Max Fisher players and uh or not as many activities, but at least getting something going. Yeah. Hmm. Um, well, while they were making the movie, <laughs> Wes Anderson was just really nervous about how to interact with Bill Murray, uh, <laughs> being such a big star. And not that James Caan wasn't, but I think there was a lot more pressure on this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, he would... So the first time he started directing Bill, he would go up and he would only whisper in Bill's ear, whatever his direction was, because he was, 
he wasn't confident that Bill wasn't going to like negatively react. You know, he didn't want Bill to kind of undermine him in front of the whole crew. But uh, Bill always, always just did whatever Wes suggested. So, and that's kind of how they built their relationship is that he trusted Wes's vision and let him, you know, him make the call and Bill would just do it the best way he could. Yeah. Well, I remember watching an interview with Bill uh, when I was looking up this and I don't remember what, but he sort of said like, there's a difference between, I don't know if he's talking about the difference, but he was saying like, ah, some directors will like just yell down the hall from video village. Like, yeah, do it this way. Do it differently. Uh, Don't, uh, you know, don't take a breath there. Uh, All right, let's, let's roll versus like Wes Anderson coming up and giving him specific direction and a director to an actor. And it seems like he's, it was something he appreciated um, as an actor. So it was almost like his, his, so Wes Anderson's like trepidation <laughs> and hesitation uh, fed what like what like Bill as an actor needed. Like <laughs> that's kind of interesting. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, the uh, that opening sequence with uh, all his activities. Yeah, you know all the the, the clubs that he's involved with. Mm-hmm. The studio, when reading the script just didn't get it and didn't really see, you know, didn't feel like they should be spending the money on going to all these different locations to get all these shots for a sequence that they didn't feel was really going to matter very much. So they had to kind of do it on the sneaky side and just kind of steal those shots. Like whenever they were at a location that could work. Really? Yeah. So they wouldn't so, like, like, put it on the call sheet or anything? They just, like, did it? Somewhere. Yeah, they just did it. Like, when, you know, when they were shooting the wrestling uh, scene, they probably shot the, you know, fencing stuff as well, right in the same area. Gotcha. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. And then there was another sequence that was written where uh, Bloom takes Max up in their helicopter and kind of, they, like, go for a helicopter ride and the studio again balked at this one and didn't want to do it and wouldn't put any money towards it and and bill just handed wes anderson a blank check and said this is for that sequence whenever you're ready to do it wow really yeah they and they ended up not doing it but uh i'm sure wes just pocketed that blank check (laughs) yeah he just he just took whatever he wanted and uh, (laughs) that's cool Oh wow! But uh, yeah, overall, I, I think we've we've talked about it a little bit. But um, what works about this movie? What um, what is part of what makes it special? Still special. What makes it special? I feel like well, I mean, you know, Max as a character, which we talked about, is so. He um, is a character in the movie. You're right. He is. You're right. But uh, <laughs> you know, he's just such a different kind of character that. You just, I, I found myself just kind of sucked in by him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, just so fascinated with the way he talks and the way he acts uh, that I could just, I could just watch. I almost could, I, I could go for Rushmore 2 back in action. Oh, oh God. Rushmore? More Rushmore. <laughs> Rushmore 2, more Rushmore. <laughs> but this time, Max Fisher's a cop. Yeah. Uh. Well, I mean, 
the the thing is, I th- I feel like it's a lot of happy accidents too. Just for Schwartzman being the right person at the right time, without that acting experience, that doesn't know how to like. Not, that's not true. Uh, that he's just portraying this kid um, who sort of the thing that you go through when you're a teen of just sort of this sort of fake confidence, but also you kind of believe it, you know, like, you know how, like when you're a teen in high school and you think everyone else has got their shit together and you kind of buy it, you know, and you, you pretend you almost, you almost believe max. You do believe max until like the crack show from, you know, the physical evidence of, you know, who his dad is or the fact that he fails out or, um, that uh, Dirk sees him crying after getting chewed out by Brian Brian Cox. Like, it, it, you believe it until you you can't, you know. And that's yeah. I think that's what happens when you're that age, like uh, of of that. And uh, so it, it, it's kind of funny because you almost think because even though he's delusional and the the opening scene is him solving the the world's most difficult geometry problem or whatever uh you don't know if that's the kind of kid he is because he obviously seems kind of smart but yeah. he's he's like any other kid he's kind of delusional and responsive only to his emotions and doesn't know what he needs to do yeah and he's just not book smart you know he's he's very he's very identifiable yeah 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 like i mean yeah you, you every uh, there's there's so many ways to gauge intelligence that has nothing to do with how do you retain information out of a textbook and right. uh uh that's i mean that's kind of the problem with um you know uh main you know the mainstream you know educational system or whatever maybe if you have that opinion but um max is one of those guys whose his intelligence and his creativity sort of uh, uh are oppressed at Rushmore in in a sense of like he does the plays he does all these things but he's only valued by his grades and that's right and that's what gets him kicked out I mean yeah, well, it's like gets kicked all out that for his, his bullshit but like his uh, he he can't survive on his creativity alone right like all those activities and everything he's involved with it just doesn't mean very much no and in an academic but, sense yeah but he is like that. He's like that. A typical teen where he's like, Rushmore is my life. I would just go to Rushmore for the rest of my life because yeah. that's where he thrives as a leader, a founder, a, a participant, and all of these things. Uh, and it's done in a way that it's not like it's not trying to nudge you into like, hey, don't you don't you identify with this guy? Because maybe yeah. a lot of people don't. But if you think back to like what what are the things you latched onto? You're like, oh yeah, I'm. There's a Max Fisher in all of us, if you really think about it. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. Uh, Bill Murray's performance, which uh, was just you know really incredible, and he got a lot of respect and attention, and this kind of moved him, you know, into the, you know, Oscar. And well, I mean, he didn't get an Oscar nomination for this. He got a Golden Globe nomination, but uh, into the that level of. Uh, of uh, acting capability that that mm-hmm. now his movies and his roles are going to be looked at for some best supporting actor awards and best actor awards um, but it all started here with just you know a guy who is 
you know, gone through his life and he's not very happy and he's not not uh, satisfied with with where he's at and is desperate for something new and different and a spark to kind of reinvigorate him. And I think that was, you know, it was very easy for Bill to play that role at this time. Mm, yeah. Yeah, you, you see this guy in his 50s who his the kids he didn't expect to have and the, the wife he didn't expect to, you know, be betraying him or whatever, at least how he suspects it. And his life is miserable. And he's all yeah. he has all the money he needs to to live sort of a, a productive life. But it has nothing to like. Obviously, his happiness has nothing to do with that. And there's not a lot of commentary on like money meaning anything to their hap- to happiness. Right. Um, but the uh, it's like your 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 life is, uh, is your life is a result of a series of choices, and yeah. then sometimes you look back and like I can't believe I made that choice, <laughs> and that's that's sort of what Bloom is going through, uh, and then he just meets Max at the exact right time. Yeah, they they, they met each other exactly at the time they needed each other. I love the shot where he dives into the pool and just kind of sinks down to the bottom and stays there. It's a very uh, graduate-like moment. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, can we t- and and can we briefly talk about how there is a first grader that shows up in all the scenes? Like, cause you you said that, but like that's the scene where that one kid like dives down. And switches, yeah. But that kid is in almost every scene. He's watching. Yeah. He is like a, I don't know. I don't know if he's a proxy for the audience or something. Where this wordless, uh, dialogueless uh, kid, who is in Mrs. Cross's class, shows up in almost every scene, um, where you know it'd be a public sort of setting. Uh, well, I, is, he, I is he the is he the symbolization of like a conscience? Uh, uh, no, because I think it's. Well, I mean, I feel like. And I think I read something where, like, it was Dirk is more the conscience of the movie. The you know, yeah, like that's sort true. Of the, the moral center, um, where there is that innocence, and all. whereas the kid uh, who shows up everywhere is sort of like I don't know, maybe the I don't know. There, there's always someone watching. There's always someone there. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know what he. I don't know what he represents. <laughs> I couldn't quite find it even in my research. Yeah. Like, because I was specifically Googling, who's the kid that shows up all the time? Like, where is he? Yeah. And one thing said his name, the character name was Ryan. But even in the <laughs> IMDb, it says it doesn't, I don't know, there's no Ryan in the movie. So, yeah. But, uh, he, you know, he's sitting next to, he. the kid himself doesn't have a, a parent or anything involved. He, he shows up next to Bill Murray a lot. and But he's also in the club's with Dirk and Max. Right. Um, and he's, and he's a student at Rushmore and he's in Mrs. Cross's class. So he's kind of the Stan Lee of the Rushmore universe. Uh, Oh yeah. That's him. uh, But every, (laughs) the universe is the movie and his appearances are every scene. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Thematically, we've got some, you know, really strong themes working here. Tell me We've about got it. the American dream of, of, you know, trying to build, you know, build and create something. Um, you know, we, we learn a lot about how Max is going to handle grief 
and Bloom as well. Actually, all three of them and Miss Cross. They're all handling grief in different ways. And, um, you know, it's it's a struggle for them. I mean, Max yeah. is... Max is still grieving over losing his mother. Well, of course he would be, you know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and obviously grieving about Miss Cross and his love for her and how it's um, not really meant to be and not going to really happen. And then uh, and then he's grieving for his friendship with, with Bloom once Bloom and Miss Cross start dating. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, Bloom is grieving his about his life choices and where, how unhappy he is where he's at. And Miss Cross is grieving her, or, you know, her the death of her husband. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a lot about the loss of, uh, of innocence for Max. And through this and the way he, you know, reacts to these situations and sometimes embarrasses himself and literally gets thrown out of Rushmore, uh, you know, kind of forces him to grow and mature and, and uh, you know, eventually to take that next step as a uh, responsible human. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he finds that, it helps him find that spark. And, you know, at the end of the movie, he's got another play going on. And yeah, he's still at Grover Cleveland, but um, he, that spark is back and, and he's got that, that eye of the tiger again. The, he's got that eye of the tiger. <laughs> well, like, what are your, what are your, like, this movie is, and what I think defines Wes Anderson a lot, or at least, you know, just part of it, obviously, very small part. But, like, are, what are your, like, do you have any, like, favorite just moments in the movie? It doesn't have to be dialogue, it just be moments, visual cues, anything that, like, ah, I love that. I just love that moment. Or anything like that. I love I love the little riff between uh, between J, uh, you know Max Fisher and Miss Cross's boyfriend, who's uh, Luke Wilson. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> At the dinner. <laughs> like, what does he say? He says, uh, "Nice nurse's outfit," and he says, "They're OR scrubs." Oh, are they? Oh, are <laughs> like, they? I, just, and then, I, I don't know why then, I love that bit so much. And Bill snorts like just, just yeah. <laughs> he like kind of snorts and chokes and yeah. I love when uh, <laughs> I love when Bloom is still uh, is part of uh, Max's side and he delivers he delivers a message to Miss Cross or whatever yeah or, or no yeah and then after it's done he just turns and like runs like runs away like <laughs> like a child would run and yeah. it's just so ridiculous like. This is just a weird moment that no yeah, one else would notice a, other than the camera. Like, that's what's happening. Such a weird choice by Bill, but such a human choice, you know? Yeah, yeah, just sort of um, distancing himself, yeah. I also love when he spiked in that same sequence before he gets to Miss Cross, when he's, like, walking across the yard and the playground. You know, he comes across those kids playing basketball, and he just stuffs one of the kids, like, <laughs> yeah. hardcore. <laughs> that's so like bill murray just like i'm yeah. gonna just sidestep over here do this and and then keep going <laughs> yeah that that that's the thing that almost seems like exactly what bill would do himself and i love the play at the end the vietnam play i think every moment of of max's plays are just genius yeah oh i love those i think they're amazing and it and I and I understood it then, but it was funny to rewatch it for the show, and 
just that the fact that like there it's just touched upon that like Bloom was in Vietnam and I know that's why he cries like I knew that yeah. originally when I saw it but there was just something that I think I realized like he really wanted to make sure he was doing this for Bloom too like uh that it, it, there was more resonance there for me on this viewing on the latest viewing um, yeah that yeah he was affected by it but no max actually did that for him too i that that's how i see it like yeah yeah um you know because it, it kind of wraps everything up uh just a part of bloom's life where we don't talk about but we we understand was there and he's emotionally affected by I think that's great. I love that part. I love the uh, very end of the of the play too, when he's he's like, I don't know, they, like he's got the rest of his platoon kind of marches off, and he's just standing there laughing, like, <laughs> yeah, 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 while more explosions are going off, and he's just yeah. laughing, and then spins with his gun, and and Margaret Yang is there, and <laughs> they declare their love for each other, and that's the end of the play. Yeah, it's like, will you marry me or something? Or <laughs> yeah. yeah, you bet. <laughs> Yeah, so it just adds a little bit of like unrealistic Hollywoodness to it, and just yeah. everyone loves it. Uh, but like, and I remember. Do you remember the MTV Music MTV Movie Awards that year where they? Oh God, those were so funny. The Max Fisher players did Truman Show and Armageddon. Armageddon, and out of, yeah, and out of sight. <laughs> like, <laughs> I and and they brought everyone back. They brought the weird the kid who don't know the name you brought you brought uh uh the scottish uh, guy and the scottish guy and and Tana- uh what's her name uh margaret yang sarah tanaka and yeah you brought and then you brought dirk back and all those people yeah. were there and they did just to do these things and and uh wes anderson directed all of those so it's uh those were hilarious those were amazing yeah. uh, to reinterpret the movies that were going to be you know mainstream and you see the Max Fisher version of it. It was so fun. And I rewatched them on YouTube very recently. Uh, yeah. To, to part of that. And I forgot all about that. <laughs> I just think yeah, they're so on, fun. They're on the great uh, Criterion collection, too. If You should uh, pick that up from your local video store, like Videotech. Yeah. I used to own that. I, I used to own that Criterion collection. I gave that away. Oh. Well, I've got it if you ever want to look at it again. I gave it to a homeless family who didn't oh. have a DVD player. Yeah, I know. Uh, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully they'll buy a out. DVD player. Yeah, I'm sure they <laughs> they bought a DVD player and figured it out. I don't know. Uh, but do you feel like there's anything that doesn't work on the movie or that doesn't age well? Mm. well give me a second. Flip through my notes. Well, I'll tell you what I think while you're doing that. I'm flipping through my notes. I feel like, you know, this movie struggles with, uh, you know, really getting like any kind of feminine point of view across. It's, uh, there really isn't a lot to say about the, you know, the female characters that they're just kind of, uh, you know, they don't seem to have any control or say about what's happening to them. Like, Miss Cross is just, basically like harassed and bullied by max and then bloom and she has no you know she's not portrayed as having really like the ability to like 
say no to them or put, you know, stand up for herself or have any kind of input into her involvement in the situation. Um, so I think that part, you know, as I was watching it, it was like, yeah, this doesn't, this side of it doesn't really work for me anymore. And same thing mm-hmm. with Margaret Yang is that like, you know, Max is a dick to her constantly and she just kind of comes right back to him. I mean, she does kind of tell him off a little bit, but, uh, or not tell him off, but just, you know, tell him that she, she hurt, you know, he hurt her. But, uh, you know, she continues on with him. Yeah. Uh, so th- that's that's really like the main my main issue with the movie in a negative way. Yeah. Um, that's kind of it. But uh, I think that's still a big important piece that he'd eventually, Wes Anderson would get better about the feminine involvement in, in his films. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's the trouble of these things of, of movies of that era. And... Uh, just sort of like, well, the 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 main perspective of this character, you know, uh, of Max or Bloom, um, their their perspectives are the only ones that matter, and so the women are just used as props or tools for the the men's, um, you know, uh, emotional sort of needs, and yeah, that is a problem. Like it, it, I get that from a certain standpoint, and in terms of. Uh, from a very personal way that can be relatable or whatever, but from a storytelling perspective, like these characters can be and deserve to be much more rich and divert and and dynamic than they are. Um, It would have been more interesting to see what's going on with Mrs. Miss cross where like you saw her eating dinner alone. And it's like, Oh, she's only defined by the dead husband the boy who has a crush on her and the man, who, the married man who has an affair with her. That, I mean, right. that's it. I mean, she does. She in dealing with Max, that's, that's where you get most of her, you know, uh, most of her character is in dealing with Max. And I think, I think you can enjoy her character for that, like for who she is and where she stands her ground, but she's only identifiable, relatable, um, or has any personality through the lens of how she deals with Max, and yeah, yeah that's trouble. That that's not troublesome, but it's definitely like a waste of a character who could have been something else. But yeah, I, I get you. It's 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 not quite. It's not quite what quite what it could be. Um, yeah, and you could argue that it's like, well, this is this is Max's story, and Max's story is about who he bumps into everywhere else um include you know including bloom so i i kind of get that to a point um so i wouldn't say it's a problematic thing but i think it it, it leaves it it leaves you wanting more um yeah from, from these characters yeah, definitely and margaret yang too where yeah uh but i don't find it uh i don't think this is going to be something that people are shaking their heads at I think I don't think no, it's like, I don't oh, think well, this so. is a, this isn't a fa- this is a failure. Oh God, what would happen here? It's like, well, it, this is Max's story from the beginning, and you know, male or female, it's about the characters who bump into him and yeah, and shape shape his world. Um, so I don't know. I, yeah, I'm sorry yeah, it fails the Bechtel test, out. but it does. Yeah, yeah. 
But uh, all right, so let's talk. Uh, let's talk a little BL, a little box office. Let's see how this uh, this movie did. Okay, I'm in. You want to? Sh- should we talk limited release or wide release? It's hard with these. Uh, I I can do either. Uh, I mean, it doesn't really does it matter on the wide uh, or on the limited because it was only you know a couple screenings in the in the December yeah, months I mean, where you yeah. saw it apparently and didn't did you pay anything to see it? Uh, no, I think it were, I think we were invited to a screening. Like I like think we were invited. Fucking, it's like a test screening. Your, your dumbass school, or was it just people? <laughs> Where did you? I see don't it? really you... remember how that happened. Um, somebody got invited, and like, I, yeah, I don't really remember, but it was some kind of test screening. But um, yeah, it uh, the limited was on December eleventh, ninety eight. It was like number forty six that weekend. <laughs> Uh, of course, your favorite Star Trek movie, Insurrection, was top of the box oh, office there, I followed like by uh, the that, uh, Michael, <laughs> followed by the Michael Keaton Jack Frost. So, oh yeah, yeah which sure. is not yeah, the horror uh, movie. It, not the horror one, but the one that's in our Christmas Recon Cinema Christmas tournament. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but the wide release was February fifth, nineteen ninety nine. It did uh, about two and a half million the first week. I've got it uh, debuting at number twelve, between the Thin Red Line and the Prin- uh, Prince of Egypt, both of which were in its eight their eighth week of uh, it being in the theater. So, mm. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. not that hot of an opening, but the domestic run was about seventeen million dollars. Uh, so it it basically doubled its money. So, yeah. Well, the thing again, this movie never the the most theaters it was in was eight hundred theaters apparently. Right. So, yeah, and it dropped off pretty quickly and it was uh, it was gone. Uh, so it, it it hit a lot of different markets, uh, but not quite the mainstream. So, uh, yeah, it's not it, this, and this uh, but but. But this, but it hit DVD like right as you know DVD was sort of really exploding, so yeah, I people, think it did really really well in home video rentals. I guarantee you, I bought this right when I started making money right out of college, and I was like, "Oh, yeah. Rushmore, this is I got to buy this." And yeah, with the Criterion Collection, I think, or or yeah, Criterion the, it, I, came out in like 2000 so I, I it wasn't very long before that was yeah. out so i think i had it in 2002 i think i bought it and then just gave it away like a fool like a fool yeah that is you a fool i, I am um, defined by my foolishness <laughs> and what do we think does it uh would we say that the movie overall holds up in 20 2019 or does it uh does it uh, is it lacking it's pretty racist and uh ignorant to uh modern kind of uh concerns but yeah no it it holds up yeah i would say for the most part it does uh the feminist pov is is a downside uh and that doesn't age so well but the rest of it i feel like does uh great performances great you know visuals by wes anderson and shaping these characters and these these actors yeah. And the soundtrack for crying out loud! Oh, well, the soundtrack's fantastic. I mean, I love uh, rewatching this. I was just like, "Wow, this is uh, this is so much 
it's such it's such a personality in the film itself. Yeah, right? I mean, yeah, ugh, I'm a big fan of that. Yeah, it's uh, you know, you've got the score by Mark Mothersbaugh, which is very fitting. Uh, Nothing in the world that can stop me worrying about that girl by the Kinks. Uh, Here comes my baby from Cat Stevens. Uh, just so many, you know, O Yoko from John Lennon, uh, The Wind and other Cat Stevens songs and uh, song and Ooh La La from by Faces. Just mm-hmm. great way to close the movie. Uh, really, just an amazing soundtrack. A lot of fun and uh, very emotional and 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 much more so obviously after you've seen the film. Uh, but just yeah, you know, I I bought this soundtrack like immediately after seeing the movie. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, let me ask you real quick though, and like, and, and I mean, we're mentioning it, we're acknowledging it, and I, I think it's good that we're acknowledging it. But like, did you see the movie Eighth Grade uh, that came out a year ago? I did say? not actually. Okay. Um, or how about? Uh, well, what about Brooklyn? Uh, did you see Brooklyn? I saw uh, Brooklyn. With Shwari Shwashwashwashwashwashwashwashwashwashwashwashwashwashwashwashwashwashwashwashwashwashwashwashwashwashwashwashwashwashwashwashwashwashwashwashwashwashwashwashwashwashwashwashwashwashwashwashwashwash
for an adult woman in a movie like this, should she should be served to have more agency, control, and perspective that yeah. doesn't have anything to do with him. It's not like you need to see what she does every day after she gets off off work and you know how she spends her time. Like that's not relevant. It's right. but it is. But but part of it is is like the whole movie is based on how everyone bounces off Max's sort of perspective on life. Yeah. Um, so it would be interesting to see more from these people. Uh, yeah. From her and um, and yeah, I guess it does lack that. But I don't know. I don't know if it's necessarily a, a failing, other than maybe it, it's just uh, a lack of more information, really. Well, I, I think it's just, you know, that would change over Wes Anderson's future movies. And it's just maturity as a filmmaker, getting a, a broader perspective and, you know, really seeing it from all the characters, uh, you know, looking at it harder from all the characters point of view. And I think he'd get, you know, I, I don't think that's an issue that that carried on for him. So, yeah, it's just part of being a young filmmaker and, you know. You're not gonna, you're not gonna get everything perfect on those first few few movies. So yeah, no, but, of course, um, and there's no perfection in any of this. And you tell the yeah. stories that matter to you from the perspective that uh, means the most to you. Um, so wait, so if you were gonna join any of Max's clubs, though, and let's say you could rise to the top of any of those clubs, which one would you be? Which which oh, club uh, would be your guy would, that you'd be doing? I think I'd want to do the Bombardment Society. <laughs> you just love fucking throwing rubber balls at people <laughs> and, and tag them out. You'd I'm like, sneaky yeah. and crafty. I can get around. So, <laughs> you know. That's fair. Okay. I, yeah. I, I, what about you? Bombardment would be pretty dope. Um, I probably would be, I guess, if I'm looking at it, it's either debate or it fencing, I think, because I'd want to like be able to kill people with a with a, a, a sword <laughs> or a foil okay uh, fair enough and then de- debate i just want to be the smartest guy in the room but uh <laughs> we'll get those uh we'll get those going here at the studio we can get you practicing the the reconsideration debate club <laughs> and the reconsideration yeah. fencing club listen I'm in, in fact we should hire max fisher as our publicity director so let's <laughs> let's put a call out to him hell no hell no um, other good moments that I like from this movie, and I just want to—I like, don't know—I just want to like touch on them. Like, like Max has all these involvements in all these in all of these uh, uh, clubs and everything. And his ri- when his rivalry begins with Bloom, you know that he he actually gets the bees and like and puts them in Bloom's uh, hotel room. And then oh, when, yeah. Bloom, yeah. when Bloom discovers the tube, and he just sort of like nods his head in recognition then laughs like <laughs> like respect got, I, you know i got yeah yeah you're coming at <laughs> me i got this um <laughs> or just like silly things like when dirk like turns against him like his friend turns against him who's probably i guess in probably he's probably 10 years old or 12 years old, i don't know how old he is. yeah but like he writes his like sort of threatening note in crayon to him like <laughs> to tell him the truth about his 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 uh <laughs> Uh, 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 about uh, Bloom and uh, Miss Cross, like yeah, these this sort of like very adult things, and he writes it in grand to him. Uh, I just love that. Like, there's just something genius. Yeah, there's there's something so simple but 
that makes it work. Um, oh, and then just like uh, and and this sort of the sweet moments where and like the the third act where you just sort of learn more about Max in a real way, um, where uh, he you know he, the reason he got into Rushmore is because he wrote he wrote a play, but then you right. learn he wrote he went to he started going to Rushmore when he was in second grade. Um, and then when Max writes his final, or you know, the final play of the movie, it's on a typewriter, and it's got uh, the the case is embossed with like a, a note from his mom, like "Brava" or "Bravo, yeah. Max." Like, like without having to do anything, like it just can hit you so hard. Um, yeah, there's so many touches, like when and, or when Bloom meets Max's dad for real. I, I, I forgot how good Bill Murray is in that reaction of that scene. Like where yeah. it's not just like, oh, a weird eye movement. It's just like everything he pro- he processes, everything he knows about Max in a split second. And it affects him so deeply and yeah. it touches, touches his human heart. And it's like, oh God, like what a great moment. I, I actually like rewatching it. I, I rewound it like, three times just to watch it like oh that's such a such a great acting moment but just really such a real emotional moment uh yeah that, that fits and um you know you know max's arrival right that the scottish dude um uh buckman or buck bucken and all yeah. that like the fact that like these guys are just they're ready to kill each other but all he had to do was offer him a, a, a part in his play and uh, <laughs> that's he what he always in. wanted he just, I always want to be on your fucking plays or whatever. I mean, <laughs> and geez. he's so great in it too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so uh, there's so many, uh, when things start to come together for Max, like that, that happy ending sort of starts to sew itself up, um, which you, I, I don't think I expect, you, you know, you almost don't expect a happy ending in a sense. Yeah. Um, but you get but it. it's sort of, but you get the glory. Max gets his, the glory he's always wanted. Um, yeah. But it's earned, not the thing that like he fantasizes about. It's like it's earned, and he just, just by being himself. And I think part of that, part of the message of the film is that like it's just you. I don't think it's about an empowerment of like be who you are and you will be successful. I think it's just you don't know how how uh, uh, powerful and how sort of uh, special your your own sense of of being is. Um, until you put it out there to other people and people appreciate that. And uh, Max finally does that. And um, so watching this now as an adult, uh, I see it a lot differently than when I was a kid, or not a yeah. kid, but a teen. And um, just understanding like, geez, this really, this makes a lot more sense uh, yeah. for, pe- for people who are trying to like figure their own shit out. Yeah. Well, it's funny watching it being a lot more closer to Bloom's age than uh, Max's. <laughs> I yeah, I'm closer uh. to Bloom's age than Max's, and fuck <laughs> that. On that note, uh, but yeah, it's a uh, it's a great film. Definitely, if you like Wes Anderson's other things and you haven't seen his early films, you should check it out. Uh, give it a rewatch. Uh, it's a lot of fun. And yeah. no, speaking of yeah. fun, well, go ahead. What were you gonna say? No, I was just I was just gonna agree with you. I All right, agree. good. Yeah, I like I'm that. In. Yeah. Um, speaking of fun, we've got uh, 
We've got some more uh, things coming up this month. We've got another Christmas movie. We're, we're not going to quite reveal what holiday movie we're going to cover this year, but it's definitely going to be fun, a little scary, but a little fun too. Okay. Uh, we will, we're going to reveal that uh, in, a, in a couple of weeks here, but uh, stay tuned. And uh, we should, uh, don't forget to check out our Reconsider Christmas Tournament on our social media check us out on twitter instagram facebook at reconsinimation podcast or our website at www.reconsinimation.com we want to just do a quick thank you to our good friends curtis moore for the great poster as always and ek wimmer for the theme song and uh, check his stuff out his podcast at laser graves uh, or it's called laser graves anywhere you listen to to podcasts so Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else you want to shout out there, David, before we, we hang it up for the night? Mm. Um, whenever the next season of Westworld comes out, you guys should definitely watch that. It looks cool. Uh, it's going to be great. Uh, but other than that, no, I got nothing. Yeah. Now we'll do the movie, not the show. Uh, we'll definitely <laughs> do that movie someday. Uh, but yeah, uh, listen, that. guys. Yeah. Have a great uh, have a great couple of weeks. Enjoy the uh, you know get get uh, all those lists into Santa and uh, start getting ready for that big Christmas dinner. And uh, we will we will see you guys soon. Thanks for listening. Bye now. <laughs>